Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. A big welcome to Season 6, where we continue to explore coaching, learning and development. As usual, my guests are going to present their key learnings from a piece of content of their choosing, and we then discuss its application. I'll now hand over to them to introduce themselves. Um, yeah, good day. My name's uh, Zane Winslade. I'm a mental performance coach. Um, I have a background in uh, teaching and coaching and before that i was a rugby player myself um, having played in the uk portugal romania and uh, new zealand um, yeah and as i mentioned currently helping athletes um, from all sports work on their mental game and um, yeah awesome my name's kyle mclean i uh, run a company or whatever you call it <laughs> from the called the coaching gig um, which is, yeah, and I do, do a lot of work for um, sporting organisations, such as um, some work for New Zealand Rugby and having to do some stuff for New Zealand Netball and other sporting organisations. But, um, yeah, I've got a um, platform where we, we have junior rugby coaches and other, other sorts, and, yeah, really excited to connect with you again, Phil. It's been a while. And, uh, and Zane, who lives just down the road from me, actually. So we're, we're in the sunny Bay of Plenty in, in New Zealand. Um, so... Uh, yeah, good to, good to be on it in the evening. Gents, absolute pleasure to have you both on. Very jealous of the fact that you live in the Bay of Plenty. I am always, always jealous whenever I catch up with New Zealand friends and just see that lifestyle and the weather and everything else. Just I'm looking at a very dark, gloomy... It was nice last week, like we saw the sun for three days and then it's just gone again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Class, just before we get into stuff, uh, just a reminder to all listeners, you can check out the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly for links to all the content that we discussed today. So, uh, Zane, we are coming to you first. Mike, what are you going to chat to us about? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about the um, Mental Toughness Journal, um, which is <clears throat> a, it's actually a resource that, that I've um, created and put together for young athletes. And that's um, anyone from really from the age of sort of 11 to 16 um, who wants to start working on their mindset and improving their mental game. Um, so applicable to rugby players, but um, people from yeah all sports. And, and it's uh, um, basically a, a resource which is not uh, a thick textbook. It's um, straight to the point. And it's full of exercises, things that um, we know work and help young people get clear on where they're heading, um, set clear goals, uh, learn how to manage things like the worries, fears and doubts that can come up, learn how to stay present, um, practice uh, journaling as it is a journal in itself, and also guiding them on how to you know, reflect and um, learn from their experiences. Yeah. Matt, I love it. 
I think you undersold that a little bit. So we'll we'll explore it. We'll explore it. I appreciate it's your work, so that you don't want to, you know, big it up too much. But um, what what are you defining as mental toughness? Because I, I feel like this is one of those things that kind of does the rounds every now and again, and everyone has their kind of own opinion on mm. resilience and toughness and all this type of stuff and why it's important. So just just give us a bit of an underpinning of of yeah where where you approach this from. Yeah. So the. Uh, three or four pages and there I do actually try and clarify that because it's one of those words that's get, that gets thrown around. They do have, you know, academic definitions of it. Um, and I think, you know, I use it interchangeably with a word like resilience. And for me, for me, although, you know, the academics would, would have different definitions for both of those, ultimately what we're trying to do is um, by having someone who's mentally tough is um, not be controlled by, I guess, our emotions and be able to choose how we want to act, how we want to show up in the world and on the rugby field and in the you know in the in the arena, so to speak. So it's it's been um, flexible and not being, I guess, um, yeah, controlled by um, our our feelings and um, not letting. Um, difficult thoughts, difficult emotions, uh, affect us in a way that, um, you know, detracts from our performance. So yeah, ultimately that's the, the goal of the, of mental toughness and the distinction there, which is important that I say to everybody is that it does not mean that you do not experience hard stuff like difficult feelings, nerves, doubts, worries, things like that. And that's probably the biggest thing that I like people to understand is that these things are part of life and sport brings them on in many people, different intensities and different, um, yeah, and different, everyone has different experiences, but we all going to feel this stuff and that's okay. That's normal. But how we respond to that and how we, I guess, are able to manage our, mind and, and be present and do what's important to us and that sort of thing is what's most important so yeah the actually the what we know is if we spend our life trying to uh, rid ourselves of emotions and and get rid of all the negativity and um all that then we end up missing out on our life because we're spending all that time in our own head <laughs> so to speak so yeah that's the uh, okay it's a great question mate to start with because i think it's really important but i'm not about making every everybody um 100 positive all the time it's about okay understanding that when you are feeling um like that can we can we ensure that we stay true to who we are what's important focused on our performance and yeah carry on so love it mate great answer thank you how how much <clears throat> we get caught up in a world where people believe they can control like i hear the word control a lot and and it's a i think it's a big word that comes from psychologists but also coaches and this type of stuff that we can control everything right like you can control your energy and control your thoughts and control your mindset and your mood and all this type of stuff mm. I, i've got some thoughts and i don't want to load the questions so and, and i again you know carl jump in please i'd be really interested in what your guys thoughts are around the word control um for us as i guess just human beings but also in in the you know the environments in which we we live and operate around sport and and certainly kind of you know performance and by performance i mean a match day it doesn't matter whether you're a, a 10 year old yeah. 
you know, 35 year old. Mm. Yeah. And so that's a big flag that I'd be looking out for if I was working with someone one-to-one is are they, are they in a struggle for control over their internal experience? And if so, then that's a problem because you're, you, you don't play the game inside your own head. Um, you know, you play it out in the real world. So, uh, all that energy that you're spending inside there, can we actually take some of that and put it on, out to the, you know, and, and into the world around us and into the game effectively. Um, and then by doing that often, yeah, we, we might actually feel like we've relieved ourselves from, you know, some of the stress that we're experiencing in our own head, but the control thing really can become for many people, um, to, yeah, it's, it's, it's too distracting. Um, there's not much evidence that it works. Um, although people will tell you that it, that it does, um, often not for the long term. So you'll, you'll get a short term pop. You'll, um, you'll feel, you know, you might say something for placebo reasons or, or others, you'll feel like that, that worked, you know, I'm cured, I'm better. And that's great. But then down the line, uh, we know that, um, yeah, when you have that control mindset over, over thoughts, over feelings, you're digging yourself a pretty deep hole and it's tough to get out of that. So yeah, like, I mean, it's obviously there's gray areas. You can talk about if someone's telling you to control your emotions, often they're meaning you control your reaction to them or control your behavior or even control how you're looking at them, which is different to controlling them, like, you know, packing them up and putting them in a the box and saying, come back later. So yeah, there's, and there's, you can control how you're viewing something, eh? like entertain a different perspective on something. Um, yeah. So that when, when it's not like the control word always is bad, but, um, often it leads us down that uh, path like that. And, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely looking at how can we control our actions how can we control our response and how can we control our perspective on the situation rather than how can we control our feelings? Yeah. So. I like it. Carl, you look like you were mid, mid thought. Well, it's just interesting because um, Zane, Zane and I uh, met, uh, we would both come back from overseas and we end up being doing some supply teaching at a local school. And um, because we're just supply teachers, no one would talk to us. <laughs> and um, Zane and I sparked a, a good relationship in the staff room. And, and we, I said, like, this guy's pretty good. He's got some deep thought, man. We can, <laughs> but um, we've formed a really um, good relationship and good mates over Come good mates over the years, and recently we've had some pretty in-depth discussions around this and, and what other stuff that Zane talks about around um, we just talk about control and being uncomfortable and mental toughness on that. Is actually trying to like live it ourselves. So um, we have we have some good discussions about what it looks like for us as well. Like um, so, we're both self-employed. Um, we, we we both took that route, and it's really challenging and really hard. And um, personally, the reason why I'd, one of the self-employment was that I wanted to feel uncomfortable because I'd heard about how people really thrive when they're uncomfortable and good stuff happens. So so we jumped, and so we almost two years now. Zane's been a bit longer, but we've had these conversations recently around that, and um, we go up and down all the time, eh, mate? Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like we have some wins, and then you're like, oh, I've done the right thing, and there's things, yeah. certain things you can't, can't control, but, but living and breathing it, um, Zane, living and breathing it all the time, is, is, is helps. So that just made me uh, reflect actually when I was listening to him 
So what's what sort of like, I work in coach education and a lot of the stuff we do is, um, we, we always think things for athletes and we can see what athletes need to do. And then sometimes we don't stop and look like at what we're actually doing ourselves as coaches and like, what does it look like for us? But oh, we've been courageous. So what, how do we control our own, ourselves or whatever it is? And um, mm. yeah, I think it's almost like walking the walk, isn't it? Um, yeah. So that, that, that made me reflect when he was talking about that. So uh, yeah, mate. I mean, there's perfect examples, eh? Like of the of the ups and downs that we have, and and so my um, like a good example, like what me and Kyle might be talking about, and you know, like we have uh, COVID ripping through New Zealand, and hopefully finishing off now, but with the Omicron and whatever, and and just loads of people not. We're talking about loads of people not getting back to us. <laughs> And and um, you know, there's people isolated and 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 you're self-employed, but you you kind of want to know like you know what's happening. <laughs> if I'm gonna have some work, or that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and so we could have these thoughts like um, like what my mind would tell me, which is like, you know, you well, you might as well give up, or you you know, no good. No one wants you. No one wants to work. No one wants to buy your book. You're useless. You know. <laughs> And, my, and so my mind will start telling me that stuff and yeah this is everyone's got their own different little gremlin hey eh? but that's what mine might might say and Kyle probably knows what his might say might not be as harsh or it might be worse who knows but um and we can go well I'm getting a fight with that you know beat it up you know I'm gonna tell him to shut up you know and, and tell myself to stop thinking that and that's fine um maybe I win that battle but then it comes back and oh still fucking thinking about it um and uh you know whereas i can go i can go thanks mind what's really important to me that i that i try and um help as many young kids as possible help as many athletes as possible yeah. put it in 100 percent effort you know and then you and go okay well that's what i'm going to focus on rather than trying to tell that voice because by trying to tell it to go away i'm effectively giving it all the power i'm going you're so you know you're so uh powerful that i need to get rid of you it's, it's instead going thanks brain you know thanks for the help i don't need you today <laughs> yeah i don't know how kyle would deal with that but <laughs> yeah well um yeah you made me, made me think actually because what's uh we talked about with coaches i remember going to this training once and um it was, it was a rep training in one of the big schools none of the players turned up from one of the big schools I'm like ah Typical school, sorry, it's bumped myself. Typical school, never turn up. Blah, blah, blah. And the coach looked at me and goes, Stop worrying about who's not here and worry about who is here. And I was like, Yeah, it's so good. So, we got this came up again because, as Dane said, COVID's coming through. So, I'm coaching club team and, and um, we've had players in and out um, with, with, with the virus. And co colleague was getting a bit frustrated. And I said, yeah. and, and I've had the same mentality, but the same thing was happening in business life. And when Zane and I had a chat about it, we're like, Oh, we're worried about people not coming back to us and, and then we just switch the mindset and we, well, why don't we just like service the people we have in our in our city as best as possible and just like look after them and um we you know look after people that we do do have and switch that mindset and it was so good because then it comes back to your purpose too eh? like as Zane said just want to help people like when we're helping others and people in coaching space this is what gives us our big kick when we're helping people, we have longer term happiness and long better fulfillment, and um, that's the kind of stuff we come back to. And that, and that's um, that's been a really good um, positive mindset. But 
when we're just trying to like get more and more people to engage and stuff yeah so it was um it made me think of that zone so <laughs> yeah 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 and this kind of speaks to the i guess what's in the journal about trying to get young kids to identify what what's important to them what they value and um and and, and value in terms of a way of being like how do they want to show up in the world and i ask those questions which people have probably heard before you know what what would you want people to say about you you know at your retirement dinner or that sort of thing and and um are you living like that and that's kind of just giving i hopefully put it across to kids in a way that they can go oh yeah i have to think about that and um figure out because that's ultimately what kyle's saying hey, having that guiding purpose is just having a clear set of values of going well this is important to me um Oh, there goes a bit of chatter in my head trying to pull me in this way, but I'm just going to let my what's important to me guide the, you know, drive the bus, so to speak. So, um, and and I'll uh, and I'll carry on um, driving it myself rather than letting all those thoughts and feelings um, take over. So yeah, good way to round that back. Well, I've got a question for you, Zane. So, like with with working with uh, with teenagers mostly, because you're working in the teen space mostly, eh? Is um how how um it's relevant as that kind of conversation with with youth compared to say like here we are or we're in our midlife mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we see i seem to like got clear as i've got older but how hard is it for youth to like land on that sort of tough it's tougher yeah it's tougher i mean i wouldn't get to that conversation with adults i could have that conversation from day one probably the first session often um but uh, with the kids, it's maybe number seven or eight or something. You know, you start to really chat and then you sort of slowly drip it in. And like, you know, what's all this about, you know, for you? And, and because it's really, it is really a really hard thing because I'll just spurt out words that I've heard their, um, their parents say or teachers or whatever that they want, they want to grow up to hear, <laughs> um, you know. To, and so I, I, it is tough. Man. It's probably the toughest one with with youth is like getting to down like what's it all about and to be honest you don't with all of them but um you just hope that you can um try and get them thinking about a bigger picture like that um you know they're not going to be playing sport forever and hopefully hopefully thinking about there's there's some things that are more important than their sport um or just um you know if they can have some sort of direction like a value is kind of a direction for me like okay this is this is the direction i'm going and and it's just a person that persists and never gives up you know i value those things and then that just gives them a bit of a guiding point a guiding sort of compass so but yeah i guess the answering that question is it is tough it's a some kids they'll they'll yep they'll into that others it's probably a little bit too deep (laughs) that's some deep shit I think those the brilliant real world examples of certainly you know your guys' concerns and and where your brain can drift. And, and interestingly, I've had this conversation uh, quite a lot recently. And the thing that kind of keeps coming back to or landing on is why why do we believe our own thoughts for certain things and not others? Right? So that and I, I can never think of a good example. So that the only one I've got is if if in my head I've got this thought where oh I can fly. Right. Like what, why is it? I know that that's not real. So I'm not going to go up to the second floor of the building and jump off and try and flap and try and fly. Like I genuinely know that's not a reality, but when my brain says you're not good enough to be a coach or you're not good enough to do this, like why is that so much 
more believable? Why is that something I can fall into the trap of going, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shit, shit. And do you know what I mean? It's just this, there seems to be a spectrum where believable, not believable, and almost the closer the thought is to a potential truth, inverted commas, the more willing I am as a person to believe that thought to be true. And this is something I've worked really hard on. There's some brilliant people that I talk about a lot on other kind of pods and have had them on that, that do some wonderful work in this space around actually just recognizing that you don't have to believe your thoughts. Like we, I do, we've seen again, we fall into this kind of pitfall or trap that there's certain things that have to, just because I thought it, it has to be true rather than, as you say, that, that awareness to go, well, it's a thought yeah fine it might it might crop up a few times it might come and go but i i don't have to believe it i don't have to action it i don't have to do anything with it i can just let it sit there and it will probably go away again because as thoughts tend to they come and they go right like yeah 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 i mean that's um i actually go with rather than fighting on whether or not to believe it it's more it's easier to probably say just just ask yourself is it helpful and how do you know is it helpful is it taking you in the direction of what's important because if sometimes you'll have a thought it might be true like you might walk into a room and go that guy over there hates me you know and then why did you point out when you said that mate? No. yeah, I, yeah no, I could see him i could see him going he was giving me the emails going saying he's hogging the mic here anyway so you might go you might go into a room and go that guy like that guy hates me or he's frowning at me right and because there's a like a feeling there you kind of want to confirm that feeling so you get into that that's it's probably one reason why that you don't believe the i can fly the other one but the 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 feeling of not belonging in, in a room might give you sort of more more reason to believe you know what but it, but anyway that in that situation going back to like is it helpful um that's far better because you know well if you're going to give a speak a speech to the room or a talk to the room um you wondering about whether or not this guy hates you is not going to help you deliver that speech in a way that's impactful to to the situation so if you said to yourself no nah, he doesn't you probably might still be like oh he's still frowning at me like <laughs> you know and, and um so it's kind of it's almost like and I, I get that you know that we shouldn't believe like a lot of the stuff we tell ourselves but it, even i think a better way to look at it is is it helpful is it helpful in terms of leave, leading me to live a meaningful life no in this occasion it isn't so i'll leave it you know like it's hard to leave it but we just try and not let it um, control the bus, eh? like drive the bus. Sorry, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, could go on for a while. I don't want to. I don't want to take up too. We're Kyle here too. We're going to ask him. Some uh, I suppose like, I'm much like that imposter syndrome, mate. And you might have the same feel. You you bring a, a podcast, and most coaches listening, and and then you're coaching yourself, and then I'm the same. So I educate heaps like, of coaches, and got a hopefully a reasonably good reputation in it and then i go and coach a team <laughs> and you're like oh man am i only good at this <laughs> or man what the players think i'm shit and you have yeah. that, whole, that whole thought and i've i've been 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 grappling with that a little bit um yeah just 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 coming back to simple stuff eh? and i guess for yeah. me it's just been like oh just take a for me it's just, oh, just take an interest in players and get to know them and then <laughs> that's the sort of starting point but um 
but yeah, the, all the theories and stuff you have because I've dedicated probably the last five or six years servicing coaches rather than myself um, with my own coaching because young family and it was a timing and, and just high level purpose, I guess. But now I've got my little hobby and getting back out there and coaching club team and getting to get out Tuesday and Thursday and have a beer in the club rooms and matches haven't started yet. So, but um, yeah, you definitely have that whole, I think, imposter syndrome mm. sometime eh, around dealing with that. Yeah, uh, and that's perfect situation. Uh, that's perfect situation to be like, okay, yeah, I've got a desire to show that I'm like, you know, know what I'm doing here, and then all that, and then you sort yeah, of yeah. go, is that uh, actually helping me be a better coach? <laughs> no, thank okay. you. Okay, oh, cool, cool, man, living from the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. then if you get if you get caught into trying to prove that, and I feel like I probably was like this, and when I was coaching a lot of the time, is that oh, I've got to prove. Oh, I'm worried about not being a good coach. Okay, now I need to prove that I'm a good coach. And then if you're trying to do that, um, then you might be sort of fighting the wrong battle and, and actually be a worse coach, you know, because you're worried about what people are thinking of your coaching rather than being a good coach. Because sometimes to be a good coach, you've got to say hard things, do stuff people don't like, you know, all that stuff. Eh? Me and Kyle have talked a bit about that. I'm sure. <clears throat> and I, I guess there's realities of that though isn't there we all the, the, the jobs are very different as a coach educator or developer to a coach like the realities are going to be very very different so actually that that awareness and acceptance of the fact that actually it's the easiest thing in the world to stand in front of a load of coaches and talk about how how to coach and what good coaching looks like we all know it's it's probably one of the most impossible jobs you could ever find like if you actually sit down and think about all the things you're trying to work with and deliver and manage and control as a coach like it's insane but yet for some reason we think we can all we can all give it a go and like some people are obviously very very good at it some people are part way through that and we're never going to get it right but i i often fall into that trap of your your comment around you know does everyone think i'm shit i wonder whether we we're quite absolutist with our thinking that do you know what i mean it's because actually that's going to be a scale right like if if you did a real honest survey in the team of the people that that i coach some are going to go yeah, I don't like him when he does some stuff like that shit, but some will, some will love it. And then when it comes to other bits, the ones that didn't like the other thing will be like, no, no, this is really good. And do you know, it, it, like, it, it's never going to be one or the other, but it's, and I think it's just one of those pitfalls in our thinking that we can just go, I'll lump everybody in together. Mm. One person said they didn't like something. I'm, I'm going to enable that to affect me. Whereas actually, 95% of the group thought it was it was okay or it was good like maybe we never get beyond it was all right like that's that's a pretty common response I find like how is that going yeah it's all right well they're not saying it's terrible so I'm going to take that as a win right like yeah. I, I just yeah I just, how, how we balance that there's a tweet today actually I saw it this morning that said oh how um when you leave the room what what would you hope your players are saying about you and I kind of jumped to two responses and I was like Number one, if I'm not in the room, why is it any of my business? Like, why would I Why would I concern myself with what other people are saying about me when they're not saying it to me? I'm probably never going to know. I, I feel like that's, that's literally like a bear trap just waiting to snap shut on me going, oh, my God, now I can make myself paranoid because I think other people are thinking this, but I'll never actually know. Or you can go, that could be quite useful for me to ask them, what what they say and what they think and then I can work really hard on changing some of those bits and I use this like real extreme of that's the worst idea I've ever heard to 
could I make this work in my favour? And again, it's quite absolutist in terms of where that sits. But I, I just think it's a fascinating real world example of, as you guys have said, just the challenges we face on a daily basis, right? Yeah, I would ask like where, where you would, um, for what reason do you want to know what, yeah, like, you know, that why, what they're saying, because eh? that would indicate because if it was to like reassure that you're a good coach or whatever, and then it might indicate that there's something inside you that, you know, <laughs> or has it come from a place of, I just want to um, get good, really good objective feedback on my, on my team. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. It seems to fall into, yeah. is it ego? Is it insecurity or is it curiosity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's quite, and like, do you know what I mean? Just, and that, that almost that self awareness. And it was really easy because it was a tweet, and I was sat here and I had time this morning over breakfast to go, hmm, what would I do with this? Yeah, you, do you know what I mean? You can get into that state of deep thinking and you can really reflect and go, well, what are three or four different ways I can look at this? This is a, as a challenge or a problem or whatever. Um, whereas I think the reality of, had that been on a training night tuesday thursday saturday whatever it might be it does that look very very different because you're in you know your mind is in a different place and you haven't got that time to be aware and go through some of those practices and those techniques and stuff like is there is again is there then the reality of why and how that stuff changes and how you might adapt differently um zane i'm going to jump to back you said it a couple of times earlier around um present moment why why to you is the pre being being present being present in the moment why is that so important that's where the magic happens um <laughs> in sport but in anything really and it's um probably overblown in some respects people you know jump on the you've just got to be present um and they they and live in the moment so to speak like and they take that as like just some sort of hedonic um constant pleasure you know life of constant pleasure and living it you know all, all that stuff it's more um hey can we have that awareness of what's going on in our mind and also what's going on around us so that we can choose to you know catch the ball um, kick the ball whatever and, and we can focus on what's important in that moment so being present's really a skill probably one that's getting more and more important um as we uh, live in a distracted world um because we don't you know have to um experience things like boredom anymore we we get really good at just distracting ourselves constantly all the time um and so you yeah, probably we probably do have minds that are more likely to jump out of the present and be distracted by things that aren't um you know important in that moment so yeah i don't know if that uh, that fully answers your question but i guess that's just the ultimate in terms of getting into that place of flow or when we we perform at our best um we are you know completely absorbed in that moment and we're completely present and that's ultimately where we all want to be and um yeah that that takes practice and that's um also what gives you the ability to be flexible and adjust and choose what's important so Great answer. Thank you. How, how important is acceptance within that? I think you kind of just touched on it at the end. Like, mm. would you say that's a real key element of being present in terms of, I, I guess, accepting where we are again, without loading the question, just, just having that ability to go, this is my reality. 
in this moment yeah. rather than that constant oh my imagined future was this or my imagined future was this and that's not worked out and then there's disappointment or agitation or frustration like do, do you think we're our own worst enemy when it comes to not accepting the reality that we face within that present moment mm, yeah so acceptance is a huge part of that and um yeah you're absolutely right you've obviously done a bit of done a bit of reading and and, and reflection on this um yourself because absolutely we can't be in the moment unless we're kind of willing to experience it so if it is a really difficult moment like a pressure moment and we are unwilling to experience it then you're going to be doing everything you can to get out of it or try and relieve yourself of the feelings that you're having and all those things take you out of the present moment because they're often by nature you know distraction methods you know don't think about um something or um you know try and take yourself to the future of what ifs and you know all this this sort of stuff so yeah willingness to experience and or, or an acceptance of that moment is kind of part and parcel of that um yeah, um yeah that present moment stuff and yeah and like people will be like yeah this is good they might recognize this from sort of um wisdom traditions of of buddhism and you know modern day mindfulness and things like that like people were onto this stuff for a long time thousands of years ago hey? it's like we kind of need to have that sense of willingness acceptance and, and gentle sort of um yeah focus on what's important and yeah nice mate no i i i, I always kind of come back to this because i i feel like it's the superpower that a load like tons of people need and, and i've kind of i guess the maybe the underlying theme of this is you don't go and scream and shout about it and and show off and and do all that sort of stuff and and say how wonderful it is but i i just as you said like it's been around for as old as we are so maybe maybe some people were having it right back then mm. and with and, and it just gets twisted i feel these days into into being something that's packaged and sold and you know what I mean? It's the next, it's the next thing. Like mindfulness, I think is wonderful, but then you look at how many mindfulness books there are and how many mindfulness apps and all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, I, I just, I don't know. Like I've got concerns that that's, that's still part yeah. of the problem rather than just naturally being yeah. in a position where we accept this stuff. Yeah. There is a bit of a concern. I think they call it spiritual um, materialism. Mm. I may be wrong there actually, but I can't remember. I've heard that there is concerns about the, that everything just gets packaged into a sort of product um, when it's not really. And um, and people want to, if, if someone wants to, you know, a word like acceptance or willingness and then create it as a cure, then that kind of is the opposite to acceptance. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, that, but cures sell a lot more than you know um telling someone to accept their situation but like and on that i think it's important to distinguish that acceptance isn't a resignation or a giving up it's the opposite of that it's like going i'm willing to have this in the service of what's important to me of what's meaningful of what i value i'm willing to have all this shit so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna move towards it and then the, the flip side of that acceptance is avoidance so i'm not willing to have this i'll do everything i can to avoid it and i'll usually perform pretty badly on the sports field but, but in, uh, in anything yeah 
I think you put that beautifully like that. Yeah. And th there's the trap, right? Because every time I, I think I've nailed it, that's my ego saying, you know, you've nailed it. And then actually it's not as soon as I think that it's like, no, 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 still need to still need to get back to whatever it is I need to think. So yeah. very. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my last question for you both before we jump over to Carl is just on, I guess, the role of reflection. Um, and I've always got kind of questions around reflection, how we learn to reflect, because I feel like some people reflect probably quite naturally. Um, other people learn it quite heavily in in their job or in their kind of career. You know, nurses are a prime example, like, you know, they've got lots of mechanisms in place and, and how they learn to reflect over over the course of their careers. And actually just what your guys experiences of delivering reflective workshops or getting people to reflect a little bit deeper because i certainly carl i guess it this tees up some of your stuff around um kind of um you know game games approach to to teaching and learning and stuff and are we in a position where now with with how much game-based stuff is being delivered by coaches and how much questioning happens by coaches if if we are dealing with people that can't reflect does all of this stuff go out the window because if you're asking me questions or you're asking me to play a game and then think back on it and I've not been taught the skills of how to do that effectively, does, does the mechanism actually become pretty flawed? So yeah. What, where, where do you guys land on reflection? How important is it? How, how do you go about, you know, improving it in people you work with? Um, yeah. For me, um, often I would talk to people about, uh, reflection and use a quote, um, which I don't know who I can give credit to for it. Um, uh, that, you know, we don't learn by having experiences, um, by just having experiences, we learn by reflecting on experiences. So we talk about, so the classic, a, eh, you know, it's not a mistake. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Well, it might be if you actually try and unpick the learning from it, <laughs> but otherwise it's just a mistake, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. And so reflection is obviously a part of learning. We know that if we go back to stuff over time, we learn better, but also, um, I think really powerfully as part of, as a way to bond and connect as a, as a, you know, part of any relationship, but as a team, because you can, um, you know, be honest and hopefully, share um, meaningful things with each other and build those relationships as well so i think reflection's got a role there and um building good teams building good relationships that sort of thing and then yeah we've got to um we've got to learn from the past eh? and um and what's been and and um doing that properly and not doing it from a place of trying to like that the ego stuff we talked about eh? trying to um show to everyone that you were actually right and good and the best player on the field <laughs> um but you only made that mistake because um whatever you know it's been a you know if we can do it openly honestly um sometimes emotionally um and, and let all that out and yeah it's powerful i think kyle's a master at reflection in terms of leading it i reckon or have I just thrown him under the bus there? He's like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a Christian comment you made around it. Was a natural, people have it naturally ingrained in them? And, or is it, um, is it learnt? And probably a bit of both, eh? Like, you know, well, Zane's probably a deep reflector. 
um deep in his own thoughts sometimes it stifles his progress doesn't it <laughs> we're just like yeah, swirling yeah, in our yeah. own direction which is which is not <laughs> a bad place to be sometimes but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm very reflective my wife gets really annoyed about it <laughs> um but this yeah it naturally happens on the run all the time and always just trying to find ways to do things differently and better and and um always asking questions about why we do things a certain way but i actually have a i actually have a system in my wife that i sit down each well i reflect a journal each night um and I'd also do a sunday um so i've got a plan like a template that i use and it's um just framed around things that i want to think about each each sunday some are personal some are around the business side some are around um yeah um coaching and stuff like that so i sit down for maybe half an hour and plan, reflect and then plan, plan the week ahead and that's been a massive it has been probably the most impactful um <laughs> habit i've developed um in the last sort of decade um just that ability to stop and, and, and force you know make yourself stop and reflect um so that, that's been awesome i love my cup of tea yeah i'm a 10 10 smoker but um as far as like coaching and coaching yes yeah, so i spend most of my life trying to get people to reflect on what they're doing um but in a in a team practice environment you took that questioning approach phil um yeah, it is, I guess it's making a bit of a, um, yeah, it's making a real big, yeah, big movement in coaching at the moment, and I think quite rightly. Um, there's a fair bit of evidence to suggest that that um, if, if we if we uh, we question, and it's actually quite a hard skill to be fair, but let's say we do it skillfully, that um, your players players and athletes will take more ownership of their own learning, and the learning is likely to be a lot deeper than if we just tell them all the time. And I think there's some stats around if you just tell them. Um, they will retain sort of 10 percent and if yeah the question it's more like 30 or 40 but then that whole retention is that important either you know it's a debate but um yeah it's, it's actually it's actually quite a um yeah quite a challenge challenging skill and how, how we do that but but i think there's also a big movement in society as well like uh, most kids now are in school environments where there's big inquiry-based approaches to learning so um teachers and schools will set up inquiry-based um learning platforms you know where they where they're driving a lot of their own learning. So kids are actually, um, yeah, a lot, a lot better at it um, than potentially when we were at school. So they, yeah, they're, they're constantly asked questions and they're, and they're going these tangents with their learning. And and so um, they're, they're actually in a, in a generation where they're probably more exposed to it than our generation potentially. So uh, they are potentially um, used to that approach maybe. Hmm. I love it. Great stuff. Um, we'll stick with you. So, do you want to you want to hit us up with uh, your a little bit around your your research, and uh, you're going to chat to us about that? I think. Yeah, yeah. So I did um, some research recently. Finished up last year, 2021, um, around games game sense coaching approach in rugby context. So it was uh, looked at how does a coach uh, how does a game sense coaching approach impact on the learning experience for teenage rugby players. So what that really meant was um, we just we had two teams that implemented a game sense approach um, where they trained in the context of rugby as much as possible. It was player centered, which was based around their needs. And um, coaches used questioning approaches, um, empowered them to do a lot of their own. Yeah, and trained in context heat well, pretty much all the time. So there was no sort of technical based approaches. And then we were breaking skills down. There was sort of none of that happening until until the players asked for it. But then um, what we did through the season is I interviewed the players, so in, in focus groups, and then some interviews at the end. And then we, yeah, we themed 
we we um spent a whole heap of time theming what they said um which is cool because you'd there'd been hardly any research done or none that we could tiny little bit done in rugby but mostly from a coach perspective and nothing that we could find in the context of what young players thought of a game sense approach like what do they actually think of a game based or game sense we used um game sense approach which was cool because out of that we we learned heaps of stuff that they really engaged with and they thought was cool and we also learned heaps of challenges with the approach so um yeah it was a cool 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 journey and um now using it um yeah using all the learnings for it we've gone and created stuff to help coaches so um yeah it's uh it's a, it's a really cool topic i can't remember what you were saying before <laughs> but we have sort of uh, views views on the world. I can't remember exactly what the language was, but um, <laughs> I'm heavily biased towards the game sense approach, um, only because it's backed by evidence. <laughs> and, and some some research to show that it actually helps learning. Um, but yeah, and I'm on this big rampage to try and get rid of cues and coaching and get rid of kids standing in lines and stuff. So um, it's, yeah. But anyway, that's that's sort of a bit of a bit of a, in a nutshell, bit of a brief on that. And Zane's been a part of that too. Um, he 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 was a big advocate of this approach, and um, yeah, we had lots of discussions. And actually, I tested, I did, I did a, a night with the coach at start, and Zane was here, and he was sort of my uh, critical eye on it. So <laughs> nice. So you, you talked about some of the the stuff they engaged with. What what was kind of some of the bits they really liked about it? I'm keen to unpack it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, there was, I guess it was, I had to like open it up again before, but uh, there was five, I guess five key themes. Um, well, basically they said, like, it just makes total sense to train in context. So um, one of the big themes that come, came out was, and this just sounds so simple, right? <laughs> they, sh they said, you should have opposition at training. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, that does that just sounds like when you talk to like someone from hockey or football they're like what you do training without defense yeah so there's the phenomenon in rugby and we all we all attack with um we do attack with no defense but we always defend with attack because it's weird and we do line out attacking line outs with no defense and we do defensive line outs with it. it's like bizarre but so it's just this thing that's gone on we get our perfect systems and shape and and the shape that's another word that's it's really interesting at the moment and there's some debates around that in, in, in highly structured attacks um, and with no 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 defense and so they all said yeah that's that, that's awesome we should do that so that's cool um, so like gave us some really good feedback around how to, how to put how to design stuff design games and, and scenarios and things that that they can get like keep it simple is really a really good message keep things simple don't have too many rules um, big theme around um, really. Uh, questioning approach they really thrived on a questioning approach um they really liked having being empowered with it but um what did unravel was um it only really worked if there was a high level of trust within the team um so one of the one of the teams there was just yeah it wasn't quite on um the trust so what when i started asking about the coaches asking a lot of questions and whatnot they um they sort of undenied and went around and yeah, it's really good and and then they said, "Oh, no, we don't want to ask. ask I don't want to answer questions because there's no trust in the team." And then they don't wrap up this whole layer of how important it is to have a safe environment, or we call it a culture of trust. Um, so basically, it was build culture, then 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 coach us, um, and which was sort of like not surprising. But I was trying to stay really stay clear of team culture and environments because 
that's been researched to death and there's been books, every second books around leadership and team environments and how to build cultures and belonging, which was, was critically important, but I didn't want to go there, but it went there often, um, which was which was interesting. Um, because that was another thing that hadn't really been impacted in some of the research we've done and the literature review we've done. But um, so essentially, if it's done really well, like they frothed on it, I loved it. And um, but uh, yeah, but there was a yeah, so other things too, there's no trust in the team and there's high error rates in training and there's mistakes happening and they got at, they'd get at each other. So I mean, this even happened a bit last night in our training at club, club land. They were frustrated. Well, the tech team was frustrated. I'm pitching defense, by the way, and it's going pretty good. Um, that money could still easier. Um, <laughs> to get the standard. It was not, it was half, it wasn't even tackle, but the tech was very frustrated because they couldn't get their, couldn't get their tech going. And um, so you had to sort of frame it pretty well for the players. Like you have to frame it. This is why we're training. And the coaches I'm working with or working alongside, they're awesome. And they're, they're doing a great job of, fostering an environment where the players understand why they're doing it. But yeah, if they don't understand why they're doing it, then it can be a bit, a bit far removed. So yeah, I guess that's a little snapshot um, of what we found out, but there's a bit of depth behind that as well. Nice. Is there anything else they didn't like? Anything else they, they really struggled with within that? There's this great list of, of positives and wondering what the what the flip side looked like. Um, there was, well, there was... Um, what, one of the things that came back with didn't like it if it was too complex. I mean, that's 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 pretty um pretty simple stuff. But um, what, <laughs> they led, they did all their teching calls, and then the game design was they had to use every they had five rucks. Pretty much, they had five rucks to score, and they had to use every attacking move. And that that fight. <laughs> and after two rucks, they just they just started playing. And it, it was just too complex. But that was good learning because we were on a journey with coaches. So that was that was an example. But. They um the questioning approach they they didn't they they didn't so much enjoy the whole group questioning approach as opposed to they way preferred one on one individualized questioning approach. So if the coach had the ability to pull them out and, and work one on one, they just really loved that. As opposed to um, whole group um, setting was it was not quite as well received. Um, and which which is which was really like that so makes sense too. Like so if we go in any like work environment we at a workshop as adults and the facilitator at the front says all right i'm just gonna ask a question like everyone just looks sideways and goes, don't pick me um until that environment is um safe so that that um that was until the environment and then the questions like why do we have whole group question anyway like who's the message for and all that so we had we went really deep into that and then the coaches um started going okay so who's this for okay we'll take subunits out and groups out and small group stuff and problem solving so it, it was that was cool but yeah this there's, there's a lot of um, there's, there's still a lot of challenges. With it. It's 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 awesome if it's done well, as I said, but the actual design part's really challenging. Can be challenging for coaches to come up with ideas and and the, and, and and the other one I mentioned was the contact, contact uh, the risk risk versus reward. Like that's still a real unknown. Like how you get bang for buck out of trainings uh, in a contact sport like rugby, where really we have to to really get the benefit. We'd be training contact all the time, but you can't because especially especially with older with adults or with this with teenagers the younger kids you can you can do probably do a bit more but um yeah it's just too you know too risky but at the start they said we want more contact <laughs> and they weren't doing contact because they were still involved in school programs so we stripped it back so then we gave them more contact and then we gave them more contact and they said can we have less contact <laughs> but the key there was we're listening to them and working and working alongside them and engaging them and what doing but yeah, there's still a bit of um, Sophie, a bit of work to do on how we train 
um, uh, help help players improve in, in, in growth out of training environments that you don't have contact involved. So, mm. so Kyle, I've got a question here that you reminded me of something when you're talking about the questioning approach. Um, and actually, because obviously we've talked about this a lot, I'm a big fan of that. And um, during my level three um, coaching course, we had to do the obviously the coaching demonstration to a few of them. But I remember the first one we did um, on the first day, I, I was saying, oh, you know, I said to the, and we were coaching other coaches in that situation. And I said to the, one of the guys, oh, what do you think, you know, I can't remember exactly, but like, what do you think uh, the best technique here would be or something? And he goes, I don't know, you're the bloody coach. <laughs> um, yeah. And I and I just tell you that one, because I, I know there's probably, um, and, you know, you would know that there's people who uh, want to be told, so to speak, or think they need to be told. Um, <laughs> and is did that come up at all with, I can't recall whether that, came up at all with your with the young fellas or whether that's something that you think maybe is for older more and more entitled players it didn't that didn't come up at all interesting enough um yeah they 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 were, were into it and that's why my earlier comment around i wonder whether they were used to it through their school settings and that but definitely definitely had that with um yeah the older and then in, 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 in the pro spaces oh you're the coach just tell me the stand top thing like, i was questioning but it's all in the way, the way the coach frames it. Um, obviously, earlier talking about um, about coach, what coach uh, players perceive. You're talking about Phil Brown, how players perceive uh, coaches. And so, when I was working at Bay Rugby, I helped do this the steamers review. So, I reviewed the season, and they actually won it that year, so they're pretty chipper. But we asked to give feedback on the coaches. So, I'd, and I spoke to eight or ten players. And as, as you just said before, like it was real mixed what they thought of the coaches. Like some thought this coach was great and some thought they could So anyway, so that was cool. But there's one person that every coach, any player you ever talk to, <laughs> says is the best coach they've ever had. Who is it? It's a quiz for you guys. Who's the one coach that every bloody player that's ever been coached by him says he's the best coach they've ever had? Who is it? Oh, no, nah, too um, slow. Wayne Smith. Yes, Wayne Smith. I was gonna say that. Then I was on mute. I was on mute. So I, I was gonna say Mike Rogers because we all know him, but I'm not sure that would be that. He'd have been my second choice behind Wayne Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Wayne Smith. They all say it. They all say he's the best coach they've ever had. Wayne Smith. Um, shout out to Wayne Smith. He's from my hometown, right? <laughs> We're from the same neck of the woods. No, I just have to get that in there. But anyway, Smithy's like um, exponent of this approach, and he talks about query theory, and, he, and he's all player centered, and he. He's like real, he'll start and, you know, he, he's big on that approach and he really engages them. And they'll say he's a real, um, real rugby genius. And he, and, and yes, he, he may be, but this, hey, oh, there's so many coaches that know the game, like the technicalities. It's how he engages learning with people and how he, you know, helps people. I don't like, yeah. So he, he won't take that shit from players. He won't say to them, he won't stand for that bullshit. He won't say, Oh, you just tell me to stand because he'll just say, "Hang on a minute," and he tells a story about Tawhiti Kubalo, who played for the Chiefs, who turned up to training when he was playing for the Chiefs and said to Smithy, "Hey, what does their halfback do from scrum?" And he just Smithy just looked at him and goes, "What do you mean? You haven't done your homework?" Don't ask me. And Smithy knew damn damn right what this halfback did. 
but he's like, no, nah, I'm not having that. You go and do the homework. So he basically throws it back to them. Not no shortcuts here. Off you go. So yeah, you just got to stick. If if you think it's important enough, if you think it's the way forward, then yeah. But same thing. It's a continuum, isn't it? Sometimes you question. Sometimes <laughs> it's no run right, right or wrong. But you just got to find the moments, I guess. But it, yeah, I reckon it's a copy up if they they say that. And it and then it takes a bit more time, doesn't it? You've been questioning players, it takes a bit more time. So it's really hard. And I'm finding at the moment really hard to do it in the heat of the moment um, with, with players. So I'm finding it getting bigger bang for buck pre-trainings or after trainings and, and getting deep in some of those areas with, with players. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's, it's a bit of a challenging phenomenon. And on that, and I talked about before around the skill skillfulness and Zane will love this because I re-listened to Rich Masters uh, podcast last night. <laughs> and Rich Masters, oh yeah. Help me, Zane. You, you reference a lot in your research, but basically, if you question players around their, their, their what they're doing internally, their physical movements, and then obviously, lots of coaches, right? So they go, All right, um, tell me what you need to do um, to make a safe tackle. And that's a question they ask, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, I need to get my head there, my um, same foot, same shot. And then they start thinking about all the things they need to do internally. Well, what the research is showing, and Zane knows more about this than I do, is that if you think about what you're doing, <laughs> you'll be worse <laughs> so you'll actually choke under pressure you so it's it's heaven's done so coaches are asking them to think about their techniques and things well actually well i'm starting to go well with that so sort of like more like questioning based around maybe problem solving stuff and, and external things around decision making and, and tactics maybe maybe more beneficial i'm thinking but mm. it's still a bit of a deep dive to go into but what do you reckon Zane? yeah i guess um for the uh, listeners or um, people aren't aware that so what Rich Masters is well known for is research around implicit versus explicit learning and then how um, robust those are under pressure. So the implicit being like if you learned without actually knowing um, the step-by-step instructions required of a skill, um, then when you're under pressure, um, you'll be able to perform that easier because one of the main theories of why we fail under pressure in sport is that we go back to explicitly monitoring it which is just basically like we're learning it like we're going through like Kyle said the the technical aspects of the skill and that actually stuffs us up because we're yeah we're using um a different part of our brain once a skill's automatic we don't we shouldn't really um need to go back to the yeah the monitoring of it so that's yeah that's kind of where you need to be careful as a coach because especially if they're going into a big game oh that's the last time uh, and probably more so with the like things like the line out throwing and the goal kicking but it applies to a lot of things if you if you're telling them like i can imagine even if you're telling someone hey you need to get your shoulder on when you tackle um and it's a lot of pressure situation you know maybe that's maybe that's not the best thing maybe it's it's talking about it in a, in a in a more simple way like yeah that that they know is clear and i mean this is yeah there's probably a little few caveats there for the types of skills and yeah tackling's such a funny one eh because it's there's never the same there's never a same same sort of tackle eh? it's never repeated it's different every time different body shapes different situations different um connections it's never the same so it's not a skill no. that's kind of repeated so it might be a bit different yeah that's why we need to burn all the tackle bags but um 
yeah. bonfire in the middle. But yeah, I was a, of course I'm not actually as a participant, as a coach, and the coach was showing us this video footage of him coaching this guy around tackle. And this, he was a professional rugby player, and, he's tack- and he was getting him to think about his foot and his shoulder and his wrap and all this stuff. And he was shit out, so he couldn't do it. And then he, he said, he said to him, just pump that guy and put him on the mat. <laughs> just try and smash him onto that mat. And then he did that. He did like an external cue, which was to go forward. And he and he then they rewound it and thought his technique was way better. <laughs> Without having to tell him his technique, they, they gave him the external the outcome they wanted. And then the um, yeah, he just pumped his yeah. into his mat, drilled him, drilled him, eh? And it was like, yeah. And I was like, and and this guy was like, yeah, the funny thing was, he did it better when I did it. And I said, no shit. <laughs> like, that's all the research is telling you, but you guys don't read that shit. <laughs> Just, yeah, just wanted to jump back on um, Carl. One of the bits you said around almost like the role of questioning outside of the session. That I, I feel like that's something that this approach is. It probably takes a lot more work in other areas that maybe if you're picking this up for the first time or kind of part way through this journey, you, you'll stumble across. Again, there's no no definitive answer, but I would be interested if there's any more you can kind of kind of go through around what that might look like your experience or other people's experiences of how how do we draw more of this stuff out away from the session because as you said like the interestingly the guys didn't want or the groups didn't want loads of group questioning and and the huddles tend to still be a a huge part of trainings that that people will see and there'll be lots of this great i guess great opportunity for one-to-one but but how do how do we prime this type of stuff or follow up with this type of stuff and, and bookend the session with some really effective work to help the questions in the session yeah good question um yeah and i think let's go back to this the huddles the group on the group group whole group hug fests which um do have a place do have a place for the whole connection of the team and that whole um your team camaraderie thing i think it's yeah, definitely a place and, and and anyway back back to your your, your question around yeah, so I'm, I'm well. I'm, this is what I'm learning now. Back, back in there, but it's back in the on the grass. Is that um, I'm what I'm doing is yeah, I'm, I'm throwing them like so. If I break the game of rugby down, the senior game of rugby is half the time you'll you'll play from step piece, and the other half the time you'll play from unstructured position. So you'll play from kick counters, you'll play from turnovers, and um, so I'm leading defense. So I'm thinking about okay, so and I know I've done the data on it. Club rugby, I've, I've, I've analysed it because I'm a geek like that. As that we know that half the time we get the ball from kicks, which is which is pretty much on par with what they're doing at Super Rugby and internationally, right? And and half the time we're going to get it off anyway. So I know that pretty half time will be defending set piece. Cool. Half time unstructured, half time defending set piece. So we're sort of framing our defence around that. So to frame the defence is um is really interesting in rugby because if you have a scrum, a game stops for a minute. I'm getting to my point by the way. <laughs> um, it stops for about a minute and then you have time to make decisions and you make time to assess for situation and then as soon as the ball's in play it's all go so we're training phase defense and we're training set piece defense and then we're training transition play so so what i'm throwing at um we're changing things slightly the defense platform that coach did last year still involved he, he created an awesome platform really so we're just building on that but we're, we are toying with a couple of little tweaks to the um set piece defense now I learned after about his first or second training, there's a couple of key influences in the team that I need to get buy-in from. So that looks like for me, I need to have the conversations before I deliver to the team. Actually, I have the conversations with the coaching group first. 
So I'm, I, we, we, we throw things at it. We test stuff on each other first. And if we've got alignment, then we'll, and then if we're still unsure, then we'll test stuff on key players. And, key, and so that looked like last night, oh, Tuesday night, last night, um, looking at a little defensive setup off the scrum off the right, that we're trying to just play around with what the halfback's going to do. And um, I just threw that picture to them, and then they debated it. And then they said, oh, well, let's go around and think about it. And then I sent my little video, what do you think? And I've had a couple of questions come back about it. And um, so what what I've what I've actually done there is I put them into um, what do they call it? Uh, uh, Disorienter was it What's the word? A, a dilemma. What's it? Um, not Disorientating. Disorientating dilemma. Look, it's quarter past ten at night, mate. <laughs> and, I, and I ran a, and I ran a bloody small black schools at eight pm. <laughs> oh, I see Anyway, a disorientating dilemma. We where you throw them a problem like that where they're not used to and then they've got to go grapple away with it. Um, so that's something I'm just sort of playing around with at the moment. And what I'm finding is that if you do that, then they'll either go, hey, oh, yeah, this could work, or B, now this is bullshit, let's stick to what this way. But I've gone through a thinking process around it and I've toured around and played with it and debated it that I'm hoping what's going to happen is they, they land on something that they really they really buy into rather than me going, this is what's going to happen, you, you stand there, you stand there. And then what's happened is we've had guys come in and out because of COVID. Um, we set up our line-out defense last week and we went back to it last night. Oh, this guy's missed it, you know. So then, uh, um, but yeah, that, that, that's something we're, we're playing around with. Um, and that's an opportunity for that real um, intimate intimate stuff I'm finding. But still still, still trying to, um, you know, and I think in being around the um, professional scene a bit with, with my, my previous roles is that, a lot of the a lot of the good work happens you know, off off the grass in little little unit meetings and team meetings and that and you have you afforded the time but I think so we we arrive half an hour before training starts and that's when we're having all those conversations and and we might grab them at the end of training hey what do you guys reckon of this and what's your thoughts on this and yeah yeah nice Mark I love it um, follow up question I am conscious of both of your your times because it is getting on but um, there's a I can't remember which coach it is there's a basketball coach on Twitter. And just around the kind of the skill development piece. So he talks a lot around fake fundamentals. And, and I really like that term because it seems to encapsulate, you know, this kind of block block practice, very rote, rote kind of practice type stuff where it's the same, same mechanism. It's exactly the same every single time. And, and he's kind of dispelling what he believes is, is a pretty big myth around actually the, the, the variability does exist in everything we do as we guys talked about a minute ago in the tackles and those types of things so we'll say there are elements of tackling that are the same but are the fundamentals always the same for every tackle and then how how do you go about applying that and i'd, I'd just be really interested on in what your guys thoughts are in relation to whether we call them fake fundamentals or not but actually the role of what we would traditionally see as fundamental things so let's say you know uh, hands up early to catch the pass you know frame the pass or, or follow through and rifles like there's a, there's hundreds of different things that people call it but clearly that doesn't happen every time so what why do coaches persist in doing this stuff and i, I mean i'd be exactly the same like and i, I kind of come and go on this and i go well like we know there's some biomechanically efficient yeah, yeah, ways yeah. of doing stuff but but does that mean it's fundamental like, i'd just be really interested in in unpacking that a little bit mm -hmm. Oh, small question I to finish there. I appreciate. But <laughs> yeah. well, it's interesting because um, I taught biomechanics <laughs> A level PE when I lived in the UK. Shout out to the Perth School in Cambridge. I used to teach there. Um, yeah, I loved it there. 
Um, I don't know how they were very academic at school and I somehow snuck myself in there as a teacher, but anyway. Um, yeah, there's this like, I think it's I think the whole breakdown of skills has sort of evolved over the last few decades, isn't it? And it's because we can probably see it, measure it, probably see our books around it, all sorts of things. And then we're slowly finding that you just see the variabilities um, massive. And yeah, there's probably some fun, fundamentals. I know that in, uh, if we talk about the tackle example, it, um, we just, gone real simple now just around where our head is but I see all the time around um like people coaching same foot same shoulder and that makes perfect sense biomechanically like it's powerful it's a really strong position if you can do that but I haven't seen any evidence of like how many like because I'm how, how many tackles does Richie McCall make did he make same foot same shoulder well two-thirds of F4 because he um he, he manipulated his body in certain ways but for, for people to go and say all that effort you're doing training, can you show me the, the evidence in a, in a mat situation of the type of tackles you're doing? And we haven't seen that evidence yet. Another evidence we haven't seen, and I, and I scrolled through trying to find stuff, is if we break down skills into those 66 fundamental key coaching points that we have, because we're really good at that, because we can see all that stuff as coaches. And if we train those techniques and those micro skills, as they like to be called them, or um, with fake fundamentals, micro skills and the little parts of it, can you show me the evidence if you do that? It'll translate into better uh, skill acquisition in a match situation, and there's nothing. There's nothing. I can't. I couldn't find anything in any sport, and I'm sure. I'm just hoping it's out there because I really want to read about it. I just mm -hmm. we just couldn't find it. And the only evidence we could say is if you train in a game context, and 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 it's the same in any industry. Like if you if you're trained to be a Navy SEAL, you, you get thrown in real life context all the time. They don't sit you in a classroom and break down the skill of how to hold a rifle. They just bloody you know, they probably do that. Um, but there's, there's, there's real um, like world-leading industries um, that is a matter of life or death that train in context all the time. And, and, and for some reason, sport, we've, we're not doing it. And, uh, um, but there is, there is a big shift to it. So that's, that's, that's awesome. We're just hoping it can transfer down to the grassroots level. But I'm one of those guys that wants to see the evidence and, and, the, um, and the research behind it. But um, we can't, can't find any. So I'm sure Zane will have a few comments on that. I love it. Yeah, that skill learning stuff, eh? And... I think um, coaches need uh, something to do, eh? So they need fake fundamentals because otherwise they won't feel like <laughs> yeah, they're doing anything. Um, and so there's obviously coaches are going to pump this stuff and, you know, there's got the, – I think every coach has got to ask the question, the time that I'm investing, investing on this, is it transferring onto the field? Like I remember watching a, a top team in New Zealand that I won't name um, – going on as a guest to their training and I watched them do something for about three hours. And then I wanted to see, then they had a game that a couple of days later, I was like, well, let's see what, how often this happens. And it just, it just didn't happen. So I'm like, well, you know, like we, well, we went along as a guest to this training and wanted to see some magic, you know, learn something as a coach. And I'm like, yeah, that was pretty cool. There was some fancy drills. They did some cool stuff. Wicked. Let's see it. Let's see it on the park. No. We didn't like it wasn't there and like yeah. so you just like these are the these are the big questions mate it's like such a like the fundamental stuff eh? it's like what let's ultimately what's the outcome and we need to find the fastest way there in terms of you know, practice without just feeling like we need to a lot of people like we talked about control in terms of a bit earlier with our own minds but coaches feel like they need to control everything probably a little bit too much as well eh? Because um, and they don't put in, in, enough trust in, in players, or or even 
players don't put enough trust in their bodies to be able to figure out a solution, you know, um, to a yeah. to, to a movement. There's, you know, there's um, this, this kind of conversation earlier in the day, uh, New Zealand rugby had a, uh, we had a big rant about stuff at the moment, the situation of rugby in New Zealand at the moment. Is, um, I can see from the England Rugby Union and the way France are doing things and the way Australia, I was on a call with Australia Rugby the other day and you guys are way ahead around where you're heading with your coach education, in my opinion. Um, but um, what we're talking about was this phenomenon around shape. You know, we're in attacking teams playing these, these shapes and they spend all their time getting the shape, one, three, three, ones and two, four, twos. Oh, now we're changing it to a one, three, two, one or whatever it's going to be. And um, and I'm seeing in the club, club rugby guys and we had this good debate as coaches last night, but I used to hear the story around when I was academy manager at Bay Rugby and head coach was going to do a, a seminar around stuff and he wanted to show the, show a group of people, coaches, the 242 shape working, um, like what looking like in a match. And the video analyst um, scrawled through 10 games to find it happening once in the whole season. <laughs> so he, he could find one moment in the whole entire season where they play, where it looked exactly how they trained. Um, which I just thought, well, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But, you know, and then you go, why do we train like we still persist with that? And we, yeah, because shit happens all the time. We get guys get dragged into rucks and pulled out and players get in the way or we make a half break and then we're on, you know. So it's, um, but then the other flip side is players are, most players are conditioned to being coached in a certain way. So that's actually quite a hard selling point. And Zane, Zane pulled me up on this a few years ago. He said, well, they may not actually be, there may be evidence to show that they're not actually going to improve, or, but they may perceive they get better or they might build confidence because they're being coached and they're breaking skills down and improving. They actually might leave feeling confident and they might, and that might be massive. They might be, their self-esteem might be better and then they may um, be able to go and execute better as a result of it. You know, So there might be this whole mental skills thing happening saying potentially. But um, yeah, so the players perceiving they're getting better perception is yeah that, that so there, there could be a place and then in the research i did the girls in particular wanted more drills and more technical coaching and we weren't quite sure exactly why some of the rugby or there's this whole perception around how to be coached but anyway they wanted more so we gave them some we gave them some technical coaching and that really that really filled their cup um and as we player centered and that's what they wanted and needed and we're like, okay we'll give them that and then we put them back into context you know so it's fascinating. That's a real I have that struggle to compromise with almost fake confidence. Do you know what I mean? So you're you're just giving it's that placebo of oh, just because you told them it's a structure, they'll they'll go out and play wonderfully. And I'm just like that. That doesn't ever sit well with me. I, I, personally, I'd rather they were a little bit more comfortable struggling for a little bit longer if they then got to a better outcome of feeling more comfortable in an unstructured environment and, and I really I genuinely really do kind of struggle to concede as the coach and whatever power you hold as the coach to go yeah it's fine we'll just effectively I see it we'll just pander to you because you want to we want to make you feel better yeah, yeah. rather than actually coaching to be better and I'm like that that goes against everything I'm about as a coach <laughs> wanting people to get better right. we're just going to go well this is a really shit shortcut to make you feel good it's not actually real and and it will it will you know disappear within a couple of weeks and we'll get found out and you'll probably feel worse because of it and it'll make the second part of the the learning journey harder and I'm just like I I but I struggle to put that across and and it's a real difficult sell I find to go 
just stick with this a little bit longer. Like, yes, there is a shortcut, but it's not a good shortcut. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just my opinion. Like pe- people, yeah. I'm not, I'm not it's, judging it's, people yeah. if they do, but I, I just, it's really your job, isn't it? it's just our job of how you, um, the reason why and how you're coaching. But I also think that if you're doing what you're doing, Phil, in, in your, in your, um, in your, uh, sticking your guns and you're putting players in situations where they feel uncomfortable and they're looking at you going, shit, what well, you have to coach and you, and they're not getting things all the time. That's actually coming from a place of courage as a coach. You're like pretty courageous to be able to like to do that because you know most of us like want to be liked. <laughs> Maybe mm. they they want to they want to feel like the coach, they leave training going yeah that coach did a pretty good job today. But you have to be quite courageous to let, let them walk off training going man it was a mess. And I remember um, watching a training one day and the um. Our local women's team. Oh, Zane, you Zane, you were coaching this team actually. Do you remember that training? Um, and and they were about to, you're about to play the Black Friends in a warm up game, and uh, we're at a local field. And head coach was doing this um, shape of nine, and he was preparing them to better better keep the ball against the bigger, better women that are playing against. Yeah, yeah. He just threw them, and he just threw them into the the the, um, the, the shape of a planet. Straight away, didn't do, didn't break it down. Just went boom, and they just played it, and it was messy as picture for like ten minutes. The girls were frustrated, and I was talking to this other guy, um, another guy who's an experienced coach educator, and we looked at each other, and he goes, "You reckon they're learning anything?" And I went, "Oh, that's a big question." Anyway, <laughs> they all left bloody frustrated, and guess what they did in the gym the next morning? They all bloody trained it. They were frustrated as hell. So they went and trained it the next morning because they were so uncomfortable when they left training. They went and, and I talked to one of the players who was a colleague. Uh, we can, she told me the story. We'd been trained and we, we got together and we worked things out together. And I said, would you have done that if you had left training? Like, well, sweet. And she goes, no, we probably wouldn't have. And they were looking at the coach going, he doesn't know what he's on about. But the coach, he might have been bullshitting me, but he, he, he goes, oh, no, no, I want them to leave swirling with it and stuff like that. And uh, that takes, if, if that was intentional by him, uh, that's courageous, right? That takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. I think there's a, just a real good point here because, like, what you talk about with if a player thinks that that coaching, let, let, let's say ineffective coaching for the sake of this argument, um, is what got them to perform well, then that gets the credit not them you know so they go oh it's because i did all that or we won that game because we did that special shape that pattern that we did at training and instead of when when they may not have played it once like you said kyle but you instead of where if you're doing it with this approach that you're talking about where they're sort of obviously taking charge of it and figuring it out and then they win or then they play really well and then it's like, no, we get the credit. It's more, it's way more athlete centered, eh? When you, unless you're, when you're like trying to, um, I guess, take the hard road, eh? And let them sort of figure things out and work it out. It's like, then they'll feel like they, ultimately, they, they're the reason, you know? And it's not the, it's not the coach. And that's why people go for fake fundamentals because their coach wants to be the one that created the winner. And the real good coach is the one that the the athlete feels like they're the one who drove that and led that, which is probably what Wayne Smith's doing well, <laughs> continually. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the magic, isn't it? I think mm. genuinely the magic of coaching is is can can you do that, and 
can they leave still believing in the magic without you having to have gone oh yeah by the because you don't want to no point do you want to go oh yeah like i constructed this to enable you to do that aren't i wonderful you just need to keep <laughs> yeah. your mouth shut and go did it work are they happy that it worked are they happy with believing they got there however they got there well then i've done my job like getting them to that point is my job not taking credit or or trying to hijack that to then go yeah no that was that was all about me so yeah it's fascinating, yeah, oh, isn't it yeah that's a good grapple eh? do, you, do you let them know the dark art that you that you're applying on them? hey i did that to leave you feeling uncomfortable so that you would you know and then they're like oh it just does it you know then... well this I, I don't know if you like, I'd like remember the 2007 world cup um and england took uh brian ashton was the coach no, um, we can't remember that, can we, Zane? No, <laughs> no, 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 can't remember. No, I don't think that happened that year. <laughs> we were, all Blacks um, went there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't mention Barnsley, it's fine. Um, so, and, yeah, and they, they got hammered by South Africa in the group stage. And, you know, Ashton was a very much player-centred, you know, problem-solving and the whole fallout was how did a team that were this bad in the group stage nearly win it, genuinely nearly win it? Um, and it was actually all the players are going, no, Ashton was terrible. We took control. And everyone that kind of believes in Brian is going, well, that's what a coach that wants to empower their players would hope they believe. And yeah. <laughs> he then can't come out and go, no, by the way, like I, I did this to enable you to do this because it just destroys the illusion. So it, I think it's yeah, yeah, always just been for like, you know, 10, whatever, now 15 years or whatever, this kind of like, did he, didn't he? Was was that genius? Was that bad? Like, was it somewhere in between? Does anybody know? Because, you know, at, at some point you'd hope he'd come out and actually go, yeah, no, it, it was or it wasn't me. I've got no idea. But it's it's just a brilliant example, I think. So very funny. Yeah, it is, yeah. We totally yeah, can we, get we him. Had, we had a fall out of New Zealand those days. That was the, um, oh, sorry, mate. Um, yeah. Nipple, Silver Feds, our national Nipple team, um, didn't make the semi final, or maybe lost the semi final, came fourth or something. It was at the Commonwealth Games, which is like, it was like massive backlash. And the coach um, got the sack, which, and, and, and the feedback was she was too player centered. At the same time, I think it was the woman football team. The coach got the sack because he was too controlling. <laughs> he, no, like a, 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 he was too coaching. He was like running everything. And I was like, they both got the sack. Like, who's wrong? <laughs> Bonkers. Who'd be a coach? I think that's the question, right? Like, <laughs> why would anyone want to do that? It's, it's just, <laughs> just insane. But um, now, guys, will I? A... Go on, go on, Zane. Oh, sorry. It's just I was just saying it's such a balance, hey, because yeah, there's probably plenty of coaches that are actually getting in the way of learning, and there's others that are um, need to probably do a bit more to create some learning. So it's like, um, yeah, that's the ultimate art of it, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, just last one, I always ask the guests, like, what, what do you, what would you recommend? Like, what's on your bedside table that you're reading or watching or engaging with at the moment? Is there anything that you'd, uh, you'd give people a steer towards? Um, and then also, like, where can they find you? How can they engage with you? Um, give you, give yourself a shout out as well. What's on my bedside table? I was just, uh, I was actually talking to Kyle about this. Um, Deep Work by Cal Newport. I love it. Um, just talking about um, distracted world and things like that earlier. Um, talking about uh, the book itself is just really a, about the sort of what's becoming a lost art of real real depth into things 
really putting time and thought into stuff. That's probably not the best description, but, and then, um, yeah, in terms of my, um, people can find me flow sport, um, at flowsport.mpc and then the mental toughness journal for young athletes is available on mentaltoughnessjournal.com. Um, it's on Amazon too. Um, it's not as good on there. That's a paperback and not as good, not as good quality printed, but, um, it's on there as well. If people prefer. Cheers. So man, Ron Carl finishes off. Yeah, well, I've got a bit of a gap in my uh, literature at the moment, actually. I, I uh, got to a point where I was like, have a guts for a reading. <laughs> no, um, I'm reading, or well, one of the things that um, Zane talked about would be this philosophy around called Eat the Frog. Have you guys have you heard that one? Eat the Frog? I mean, it's a good book, but um, it's a really cool analogy. It's around, um, it's around um, doing the hard things first. If the worst thing you have to do in the day was eat a frog, then, that's the, then the day can only get better. And um, there's a book around, I think it's Ryan Tracy. Um, yeah, that's that's been that's been that's been something we've been um, playing with a bit lately. And then um, you can find me on thecoachinggig.com. And um, yeah, and if there's rugby people out there, we actually have got yeah we've got the um, got the game based stuff all by, packaged on a called, um, junior rugby or coaching junior rugby resource. Um, that's film and stuff, weeks of games and examples, exemplars, and people want to go deep. They have a look in there. We're working with local clubs in New Zealand at the moment, clubs that are packaging up for their coaches and supporting them. And yeah, we'd love to love to um, yeah connect if, if you think it could be of value to you and your club or your your context. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us on, Phil. Been um, been a good chat, and I'm all pumped up and excited. And now I have to try and sleep, mate. It's ten thirty at night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's carry on all night, Kyle. Me and you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, nice. um, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for yeah. Thanks Phil for having me on as well. And um, yeah, it's been great. But as as me and Kyle know, we could just chat about all this all 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 day. We need a trip to Wellington, Kyle. Eh? We just yeah, chat skill learning and and coach theories and and all sorts. Oh, well, um, all I can't get over is how effective you two guys are for packing down in this. Packing down in the deep dark places, playing for university over in Hamilton. There he goes. Hey, I was hanging off the back of a scrum. I don't think anywhere would didn't any would go anywhere dark. That's what people like Zane were for, man. They they, they did the <laughs> grunt work. I just stood there trying to look, good, which yeah, didn't didn't work a lot of the time. But um, yeah, no, that was cool. Um, no, fellas, absolute pleasure to have you on. I really really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I could definitely have just carry on chatting about that stuff forever so um now really good um just gonna round up the roundup so to those listening we hope you enjoyed the episode thanks again to the guys for coming on and contributing today just a really brilliant discussion thanks to all the content discussed are available in the blurb on rugby coach weekly as always i'd like to thank you for listening wish you all the best and go well